You have to do the intro song, though. Why don't you do the intro and start with that? What you need, baby, I got it. What you want, you know I got it. All I'm asking is for a little respect. What you need. That ain't right. Hey, everybody. We're back. Did you miss us? Probably not. Uh, my name is Chad Sweet. I am currently your host. Matt used to be the host, but now he's just a pool boy. Go get me, go clean my pool, Matthew. You don't have a pool. Oh, you're right. I don't have a pool. Well, your job is Should done. You then. say you're doing a terrible <laughs> job. You're supposed to start <laughs> off with, by the way, everyone, you're listening to. Relative run readiness. This is why we only have two listeners. That's it. Yeah, it's you and me. <laughs> uh, I keep listening. Yeah, yeah. I listen all the time to myself. So what? what that's what we're talking about today. What you got? What you need? What What you want versus v dot what you need? Yep. Yeah. And good subject. Yeah, I think so. I think it is a good subject. I think we all, uh, generally speaking, uh, don't realize what we want, and we all also, generally speaking, know what we need, and how those two things war with each other. Is uh, I mean, that's that's the stuff art is made from, and also relative run readiness. <laughs> <laughs> Which is an art form. It's a piece of art. Yes. Da Vinci, well, watch out. All this programming, I, I was talking to you about this the other day. You, you know, man, I, I put in some long days, and at the end of the day, I'm like, all right, I'm almost done. Yeah. It's almost ready, Chad. Almost. And then the next day, it looks like an even bigger mess, and I'm like, I'm closer than I've ever been to being done. Uh-huh. And but now, really, I did. I finished up sort of. I did. I did go back through it again this morning and made some more changes. But uh, point is, when it comes to strength training, knowing what athletes really need from a program versus what they want from a program. And I was telling you, Chad, that I don't think, and I don't expect people to really think about what goes into this process or even little details like what order we're doing things in, right? So if we're doing something for the back line of the body and we're doing a good posterior pull, we're also getting that centigration yet kind of set up for the shoulders. So when we go to do our push, like we do our hand release push-ups or something like that, we have a little bit more slide and glide. Potentially that's going to yield for better results for that day for the, for the training session. So yeah, I just want to interrupt for a second. Cause you just jumped into a lot of gobbledygook there. I did. That was a lot of Matt speak. <laughs> About training, and uh, can you can you ease us into that? Can you lube up our brains for <laughs> for all this training talk? 
What do you, what would you want to talk? What do you want to talk about, Chad? Versus I, what do I need? This is yeah. This is yeah. all I I know to talk about. <laughs> Usually people don't want me to talk unless I'm giving them, you know, free advice. And if I start right. to talk. You know about anything else? They just walk away, like you usually do. (laughs) What do you want to do? You want to banter first about nonsense? Go ahead. Maybe a little bit. I just want you know people are interested in our lives. (laughs) They are. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe not. I don't know. Well, here's what I I want to know. First, is I want to know what is the next film coming out that you're most interested in seeing? Oh, wow. Um, well, I think probably Top Gun has got to be up there Ooh. because I am such a, just a, I'm so stuck back in the, like the nineties, you know, that was 80s the eighties. <laughs> well, I was going to say that eighties and nineties. Yeah. Uh, I was thinking eighties, but then I was thinking, no, wait a minute. I'm, but I am that old. So yeah. 80s. Yeah. But yeah, I am kind of excited about uh, Top Gun when it finally comes out. I think a lot of people are. Yeah. I think that's going to be a big hit. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know if I... Unless they do a really bad job with it. <laughs> well, it won't be. Doing a bad job on a sequel? I've never heard of that. Yeah, it would be odd. I'm not that picky Listen, when it comes Listen, all they have to, to do is just put the same soundtrack on it. Don't don't change a song from the soundtrack. It'll be a brilliant movie. Don't even change a thing in the movie. No. Just, just, just re-release it. it with like new... <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I, I, think, um, I think just any kind of movie like that that's nostalgic for me, I'm, I'm not too picky. Yeah. I'm just happy, like kind of just... Uh, just living through those those moments in the eighties and nineties again in my own in my own mind, and yep. I love movies that bring me back to that too. Yeah, yeah, I'll agree with you. Um, to me, you know that that sort of like bringing it back to the original a little bit. I'm a big fan of Grease too. Mm. Not many people are. Mm. I I've heard, mm. but that seems odd to me because I think Grease too is one of the top Greases. I'm going to put it this way is I didn't know they made a Grease 2. Yeah, it has Michelle Pfeiffer in it. Oh, oh, then I then I know Grease 2. Grease 2 is my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> I love Grease 2. That's great. I guess I didn't know Grease 1. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Grease, Grease is 1, the word. Grease, the original Grease has John Travolta and Olivia Newton-John in it. Mm-hmm. And then I don't know how many years later they decided to make Grease too. Michelle Pfeiffer and um, I forget the guy's name. He looks like Rick Astley. He played uh, Maxwell, whoever on Empire Records. I don't know the guy's name. Don't don't know, but Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah. Uh, and she sings in it. Yep. Yep. No, she's great. I actually thought it was John Travolta and Michelle Pfeiffer. So I think I combined. <laughs> You just Grease pasted his face in your mind <laughs> yeah, on top of the mail. I really, I really did. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, back, back in, back in the day, though, Michelle Pfeiffer, she was the word. Yeah, yeah, like her. <laughs> All right, that's good. enough. I liked it. Yeah. All right, so that was what we wanted. Uh huh. Now let's talk about what we need. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That was a perfect, seamless integration right. into right. our talk today, Chad. I'm, I'm glad you stopped me before. I'm good. From helping people out and got right. back to some nonsense. Right, yep. right, yep. right. Um, well, you know, so I think there are, here, here's part of the perspective I'm interested in, is that 
you know, you can talk all day long about, okay, you know, somebody is going to start running and really, probably they shouldn't really start running just yet the way they want to run. Say they want to go do a 5k or a 10k Mm -hmm. and they just decide, oh, I'm going to go out and run for 30 minutes. Well, Mm -hmm. there are probably a few things that you need to do before you do that bit. And that's, that's super interesting. And I do want to get to that, but I also am so interested because, you know, you've been working consistently in this industry, uh, for a lot longer than I have. And so there are, um, there are still moments when you talk to me about things and, and I get a little, I don't know that awestruck is really the term for it, but I get, you can use that term. That's okay. Yeah. You shut your mouth. Um, but really there's, you have a vantage point that I'm still learning right now. And so when you talk about some of your higher level athletes, the podium athletes, the world-class athletes, the Olympic athletes that you still have to have kind of some of the same conversations with them about, they want to do a specific movement or a particular, uh, phase of training, Uh, And coaches, too. You have to have this conversation with coaches. And it's your job to say that's not what you need. Yep. It's what you want. But what you really need is dot, dot, dot. Yeah. And this is the interesting part you were saying before that, and you were right for once, uh, that I really learned a lot from training high school kids, Mm -hmm. executives, and then eventually professional athletes came into the picture. Difference is that with professional athletes, it's like you work for them. It's like they're the boss and they are, uh, they're essentially hiring you as part of their team. So I find that it can be tough sometimes for coaches to tell a professional athlete, what they need to hear versus what they want to hear. And I learned that along the way in my career that you might be talking to uh, a kid who you want to support their goals. And they've not run more than, say, a month of their entire lives. And you say to them, what is your what is your goal? And they say, "Um, I want to go to the Olympics one day, (laughs) you know, and then you say, "Okay." Well, let's let's bring it back a few notches and let's talk about more immediate. This season, what is your goal? I, I want to be a state champion, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know? And of course, there are there is the unicorn that might actually win a state title their first season. There are those athletes that can do that at the high school level, at least. Um, but you know, for the most part, it's more about okay. Let's let's talk about this. You just ran your first mile time trial, and you did it in over six minutes or six minutes and uh, and change. And now you want to get down to um, maybe five forty-five, something like that. And you're not going to run under five minutes, most likely this season. Now. I will do my best to support your goal that every good coach, I think, will do that to the nth degree. But you do have to rein it in for athletes and you do have to help them that way, because if not, it can be a real disservice to them where they just don't know any better. So they don't have that realistic approach. They got dreams. Right. And then they feel like they're a failure when they don't run that sub five minute mile in their first season ever 
just just because nobody told him that this was uh, a process, right? Yeah. Now that's there is a difference, though. I want to say there is a difference because there are some athletes that have certainly surprised me as a coach, and that is great. I mean, that's icing on the cake when they go faster than you thought. You know that they that they would be able to go in a typical season, and there are those outliers. And I certainly uh, don't suppress that. I don't tell a kid, "Oh, well, now that's ridiculous," right? <laughs> But it's just all in how you talk about it and how you how you word it with them and say, okay, that's that's uh, that's a great goal. Now let's just let, let's just micro set this goal a little bit sure. and talk about what we can do in the next three to six weeks, and then let's see where you're at, and we'll go from there, right? Rather than just shutting them right yeah, down. Yeah, yeah. Well, y- you know what's interesting, um, and I want to tie this back to our R three programming is that. You know, you're talking about your personal interaction as a coach with these athletes. Mm-hmm. Now, folks out there listening, they might be trying the R3 program. They don't have, or maybe they do, but they don't really have, at least in our system, they don't have access to you as their personal coach. But what we've built in is that assessment, that check-in for them to go, is my goal realistic? Let me see how I'm assessing from a strength point of view, not from, you know, running times or anything like that, but from a strength point of view, um, ability and mobility and stability, you know, am I moving towards that goal? Yes. Hopefully, um, is the goal that I have reachable attainable in a month or do I need to look out three months or six months or a whole macro progression of, of nine or 12 months? Yeah. So Speaking of people that are listening, Chad Anthony, I know you're listening. Thank you for listening. He had one of his kids, she, Mariah Anthony, she ran in high school with um, my program at the time. And this is a perfect example is uh, Mariah happened to be extremely, extremely gifted um, and also tough. And she had the right blend of, of, uh, attributes to, to be a top flight athlete. And in her freshman year, she had a lot of success and won state titles and, uh, and all that. And, and that was awesome. But the training that she did was so basic. And that's the thing I keep going back to is you compare what, she was able to accomplish in high school with basic training and doing the basics really, really well. Plyometrics, that type of power training, that is effective when you have a really good base. So what I like to say is you can't fire a cannon out of a canoe. So building that base is extremely important and it's almost i would say reckless that you're going into a lot of progressed training before you've really built that base now all the way up to a gwen jorgensen now who's training obviously and qualified for the the olympic trials hit the hit the uh, standard for the 5000 she's also um, gonna possibly do the 10,000 as well and 
This is a conversation I have a lot with people just talking about how what you want versus what you need. So going into programming, we discussed this early on. Do do we really need to do plyometrics right now? Or in other words, would we be better off just really focusing on the basics and hitting that Miyagi method of really mm -hmm. reinforcing your capacities for strength? Because you have to have strength. It's strength plus speed equals power. And I'm, I'm really, really happy with uh, the entire relationship that we've built over the last several months, but especially because she's very respectful and really bought into the process. I'm not saying I didn't have to prove <laughs> in, in, those, uh, in those ways that um, I needed to prove myself to an athlete of her caliber. And, and, and I get that, but once, once she understood that I was really looking out for her best interest and her capacities, then she was just all in and she's done a phenomenal job. And so she's made so much progress. And now what I would say is that we've really increased her base strength quite a bit and we're getting into some really, really good power work, okay? There's, to me, there's a difference between that and, and traditional plyometrics, but I think that's another podcast. But the point is, guys listening, is that what I learned about the, the basics worked all the way from my high school athlete executives to elites. And I don't, it doesn't matter what level of competition you're, you're at. If you are working on the basics, you're going to improve and your speed will improve. Um, Gabby is another one, Gabby Williams, that I talk about all the time. Um, setting a world record, junior world record for the high jump in high school and being a professional basketball player now. And again, our main focus has always been on the basics. Now, doesn't mean at this point, doesn't mean that she doesn't do plyometrics that would that are just super impressive. And you, you talk about things that she can do that are bells and whistles kind of stuff. That's the stuff you'd want to see on Instagram, right? Mm -hmm. But for, for, for me, I'm always, I'm always amazed when she comes in here and she's actually just come back now from Hungary and, uh, and she's, she had a, a phenomenal season and she'll do some training. But if anyone is watching her train, they're always surprised that she's not doing more bells and whistles. What'd you think? She just got off of her season. We're not, she's not going to be doing, right. right. You're not going to see her, uh, trying to, trying to do box jumps right now. We're, we're working on basics again, because we, we need to rebuild some of that at the end of every season. Right. So this is, these are things that I hear about, especially when it comes to like, you take the, the marathon, you know, we were talking the other day about how the average marathoner, um, back in the seventies, they, they were running quite a bit faster than the average marathoner today. Right now, that's not a knock on people trying to accomplish this marathon. What I knock is the fact that there's oftentimes knee pain or, um, there's potentially even injuries that can end your running and take the joy out of it. Right. And, yeah. and end your running career. And that's, that's, and my question is why, why are we doing this? What, who, 
who who put it into your head that you should do a marathon in your first year? Somebody right? telling you what you want to hear. Exactly. Versus what you need. And that that leads me to the influencing here. And you know I'm going to rant about that. And I got five minutes. You just told me to rant. So I'm going to rant about that for a little bit. Because I say, who tells you this? Like, I think a lot of athletes, whether they realize or not, what's really the big difference to me when I was coming up as an athlete is there wasn't you know, the social media out there yet. And there wasn't that kind of influence yet. And so back then you got as fast as you could at the mile, then you're going up to the 5,000, maybe you're going up to the 10,000, you know, you took it in steps and stages. And, you know, nowadays I think there's just, there's so much influence to say, even whether you realize it or not, that you're kind of geared towards going after these bigger, more, I guess, socially impressive goals, you know, and those, and that's what I think we need to be careful of because there are a lot of influencers and I'm, and, and this is a, a, a peeve of mine, right? And it just, it, it, it really, I, I, I like to, I like to say it burns my bush, right? But I just get so mad when I'm hearing about uh, influencers, coaches, et cetera, that um, are taking on these these athletes even where they are not really even putting them through, uh, I think, a good realistic progression. And so, you know, well, you're chasing your tail. Yeah, yeah, that's coaches, but that's also, you know, any app on your little watch, whether it's Nike or, or Peloton or whatever, you know, whatever sort of online training program there is, they're often not really interested in whether you can do it or not. They're interested in whether you're going to pay for it or not. Right. Right. Exactly. And, you know, I like to say that you have to get strong to go long. Okay. So it takes time. And again, I talk about two-year plans and longer progressions, but you have your whole life. Right. What's you know? two years, right. especially if that sets you up to be able to perform for the rest of your life Yes. versus get it done in three months and then, you know, get injured and feel like you never want to do it again. Right. And when it comes to like skipping ahead to some of the plyometrics or, you know, type of drills that I want to do that. It looks like I can do that, you know? And really, I always like to remind people that it's not how much you run, it's how you run. It's not how much you lift, it's how you lift. In other words, if you have the capacity to be able to absorb the stress and properly respond, recover, respond, repair, then you're going to get stronger and you're going to get better. If you are overreaching and ahead of that capacity, injuries are likely to occur, but certainly I can't see why we want to take away from our performance. And that's the way I see it. Is, yeah. Well, you know, you're okay. What if you do this marathon in your, in your first year of training and you, you end up getting in a lot of miles. It's, I mean, it's probably going to be too much too soon, but let's say you get across that line what what was that journey like for you? What was that process like? 
you know, uh, versus somebody who just gives themselves a good couple years to really work up. And when I talk to somebody and say, okay, well, you want to do the marathon. So what's your, what's your best, uh, half marathon time? I don't know. Right. Okay. <laughs> What's your best 10K time? Uh, well, I just did one. So let me see. I don't really remember what it was, but and why are we doing the, the, you know, and I keep talking about the marathon, but it could be the Ironman or it could mm-hmm. be, but it could be a lot of things and it doesn't even have to be necessarily a long event, right? It's just, um, if you want to do something new, I applaud you. Like, that's awesome. Go, go after it, go do it. But it's all relative and look at the the capacity that you're used to. What is your mean right now? What, what, not, not what it is that um, you have done 20 years ago in high school or something yeah. or, but right now, and, and try to think about in 10 years from now, in 20 years from now, don't you want to still be able to do this stuff? Right. Or even just do anything without pain. Right. Exactly. Right. So it's like, okay, the true winner to me is that person that's still doing it. And the true PR is the person that can still keep doing it without pain, without restrictions, and really being able to find the joy and keep that process joyful. And, and, and that's to me where we end up having magic. That's where you have people who are truly addicted to that process and then there's no going back right and i just i feel for people who don't who don't ever experience that and they just say like well man i don't know i did it i did it i said i'd do it okay i i applaud you you did it but the a lot of times those people end up falling way way off because of injuries or because of burnout and it's just not necessary so i do think there's too much influence out there and there's too much of that like you said even an app just telling you basically what what you want to hear not what you need to hear Mm -hmm. right and that app's not going to tell you Hey man, you did too much today. It, right. it, it, you know, and and sometimes, by the way, apps will give you information that I think is really giving you some false confidence, right? But I don't. I mean, really, my watch will tell me that I need seventy-two hours recovery after a a, a nice, light, easy run because it it misread my heart rate, and I know it did. Um, and then there's other runs where it tells me that. Um, I should be good to go in 36 hours, and I've learned over time that nope, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna have a, about uh, three or even four easy days because I'm just not feeling my best. So, going back to what I what I need to know or what I need to understand about my process, that's what I'm that's what I'm trying to get to here when I talk to people about their processes. How did we learn that, right? How did we learn these things? Well, it's, it takes time and training. Again, that two-year process isn't just about getting physically stronger. It's also about increasing your education or your mindset. Um, it's about increasing your knowledge and, and understanding yourself that much yeah, better, yeah. right? And I think a good way to wrap that up would be to talk about we we're just talking about perceived effort. When we have a new athlete, their perceived effort on something would be, say, a five to do to do an exercise, but yet they can't do another rep. Or 
you have somebody who has a perceived effort of a five, but then you uh, you tell them, okay, let's see if you can keep going, right? And let's say that they get to 10 reps and they say, okay, well, that's a 10. That's it. That's all I can do for sure, right? And then for whatever reasons, you are putting them in a situation where they're not going to get hurt, but you can have them keep going. And there's some failure test that we'll do where we feel like there's not a lot of risk to it. And so we can say, no, just keep going, just keep going. I'll stop you if I think it's too much or if I see your form breaking down. And they ended up doubling the number from yeah. their level 10, right? Yeah. So this, these, this is also about discovering your own sort of uh, signals in your own self-awareness for your process. And that takes time. There's it no does, cheating. Yeah. That's why at this point in the game, if I say I'm at an eight or a nine, I probably am right there. I'm very close to that if I'm not right there. If I tell you my heart rate was under 140 for my run without looking at my watch, I, I'm nine times out of 10 or probably more than that, I'm right because I have the experience, right? So what you what you want to hear versus what you need to hear, I think this is something we all need to consider so that we can have a better outcome so that we can enjoy our process towards that outcome. Because remember, it's not all just about the finish line. It's, it's, it's really about that journey along the way. And are you really enjoying that journey? And are you getting the most out of that? And are you going to be able to keep doing that? And I think, uh, you know, going back to our program, R3, building in the constant and consistent reassessing of, you know, particular movements and uh, letting people you know, get used to that, get used to stopping for a minute, stop what you're doing, stop working out, hold on, take a moment, reflect, reflect on yourself internally, reflect on your mindset, all that stuff. That's, uh, you know, I think that's one of my favorite things about our programming. If I'm biased or not, I don't know, but I think that that's what does it for me. I think that a lot of people can, can learn very, hopefully very quickly, what you're talking about as far as being self-reflective. Yeah, and I just, you brought up R3, so you know I have to say something here because I'm very passionate about this. But in the beginning, if you start the program, you look at the movements and you go, uh, okay, well, this is too basic for me. Give it three weeks. If you don't see improvements, then I'm the one who's wrong. But so far, even again, from beginner to elite, you can always sort of, even if you've been through it before, I always hear the same thing. Even with an elite athlete, I've done this stuff before, but not with the breathing, the way you talk about the breathing. It made it so much harder. It made me so much more aware. I've done it before, but now I realize that I was leading with my arm in an asymmetrical movement. I was not leading with my trunk. I didn't mm -hmm. realize all this time that I wasn't actually steering with my hips the way I should have been. So we're, we're never too advanced to do the basics. And what I say is that if you are advanced, you'll just get through it quicker. You'll be able to pass our requirements in a few weeks 
And if you're brand new to it, it'll probably take you up to a few months. That's why it works for everybody because somebody who is going through it quicker, sure, you'll be you'll get through the program in about six months. Somebody who's doing it for the first time could take a year or even a little bit more than a year to get through the process. But getting back to Gwen, did she get faster doing the basics without the bells and whistles? Yes, she did. And so if, if that works for even the most elite athletes, then I, I think that that that's enough said there, right? Sure is. Hey folks, if you like us, please do it. Please click that like button, share it with your friends, family, neighbors, and strangers, and uh, go follow us on Facebook or Instagram at Pandola Project. Also find us online, pandolaproject.com, and uh, check out the uh, Relative Run Readiness Online Strength Training for Runners. Yeah, man.